Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Shadu an la ilaha illallah. Shadu an Muhammadan Rasulullah. We start in the name of Allah Rahman Rahim. Alameen. And may the peace and blessing be upon Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, upon his family, his companions, and upon all those who follow the path of Haq, the path of truth, until the day of judgment. And I do the to Allah subhanahu wa taala. Inshallah, all of us gathered here today will be from that group. This discussion about the the U.S. elections. There's a couple of points I want to make. Um, and part of it will be ending upon a discussion I had at a talk I gave where uh, a local imam from one of the masajid um, had a very interesting engagement with him at the end and, uh, and I'll probably use that as my final point. And what I want to do with that final point is very much ask you how you would answer the questions that he was asking me. So it would be very interesting to see your response to these questions that he raised, inshallah. And it's like, we'll give you marks out of 10 and the best one can get, inshallah, some tea or coffee and we'll arrange it, inshallah. But let's make the initial point. Um, The focus on the US elections, uh, not just in the UK but globally, is for two very obvious reasons. Number one, uh, America is considered and has been for the last 30, 40 years unparalleled and unrivaled in terms of being the leading nation. It is considered the only world superpower. It is the one whose influence extends beyond its borders and touches every single continent, every single country. No country is free from the influence of America from a very practical point of view. Once upon a time, that used to be the situation that we had, subhanAllah. That our influence, our presence, not in a negative way but a positive way, had an influence you know, throughout the whole of the world. But that position has been taken over by the US for the last 30, 40 years. And therefore every nation is keenly looking at how the elections will arise. Uh, Mon says he's hard of hearing. Can you raise your... Uh, <laughs> you shouldn't be sitting right at the back, subhanAllah. You know, the brother... No, no, just... <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's point number one. So it is inevitable that every nation is keenly looking to the outcome of the elections. But we'll go into that in a bit more detail because what really matters isn't what we hopefully should understand isn't about the personality. It will be about the system. It will be about the policies. And what we will begin to recognize really over time that essentially the personality in America will not change the system, will not change the policy. All that will change potentially will be the styles and means of engagement whether it's considered soft power or hard power, whether the engagement is going to be primarily militarily, or it's going to be economic, or it's going to be political, or it's going to be social, or it's going to be cultural. But fundamentally, the laws don't change. The systems don't change. The policies don't change. You know, we always give the analogy, if you ask a duck not to quack, what will it, what will it do? It will quack. It's the nature of the duck to quack. I always give the example when I was in the US, I said, look, you know, when I go to Sudan... Uh, I swear there are mosquitoes waiting for me at the airport. You know, the, you know, the issue of mitakhun, the sweet blood. And they're just waiting for me. And you, go, you can't go to a mosquito say to the mosquito, please, just for today, don't bite me. That's their job. It's in their nature to suck blood. You can't ask them not to. 
the very nature of the American system, irrespective of whoever is elected, black or white, men or female, fundamentally will never change. But the reason why everyone is so interested and focused upon the U.S. elections is because every nation is impacted by the U.S. That's why it takes center stage. That's one reason why the elections are covering most pages. Besides Brexit, which is a big issue here in the U.K., nonetheless, U.S. elections takes front page. The second issue, why it's, so, why it's taken center stage, is because people are absolutely surprised by the way the current debate is being conducted. No one has seen so much sleaze, so much venom, so much, you know, complete diatribe between the two candidates. I mean, nothing is left hidden. All the dirty clothing is laid out for everyone to see, which is a complete shock. And everyone in America is saying, this is like an embarrassment to how people perceive the leading nation in how he conducts itself politically when the two candidates, either one of them to be president, is like, who's, who's worse? And how could any one of these represent the world's leading nation? So it's become a comedian galore. Comedians in the US are loving this completely. How they take advantage of what's going on between Trump and Clinton. So these are the two main reasons why people are very much switched on and watching this. On the one hand, who America is as a nation. And number two, the actual engagement or the conduct between the two contenders. That's my first point as an introduction. My second point is what? We should understand, really we should understand, what makes America will not be Clinton, will not be Trump. What made America will not be Clinton, will not be Trump. In the same way, if you think about historically, America has had an actor as a president, Ronald Reagan, has had a womanizer as a president, Clinton, has had somebody who doesn't even know how to spell the word politics as a president, George Bush. Yet America retained and remained in its position as a world-leading supernation. So what we begin to understand is that this is purely a matter of personality. It is not there to fundamentally change the system or the policies. Very important to understand. This is very critical to understand. A nation which is built on ideas will not change because of a person. It will only change when its ideas change. Yeah. So we as an ummah, we only change not because the people changed. We grew in number. We became black, we became white, we became brown, we became Arabs, we became Turks. That isn't what changed us. Is the ideas that we had, we changed us, we then changed our situation. America as a nation, its ideas haven't changed. It still fundamentally believes in secularism. It still fundamentally engages on the basis of capitalism. Its criteria in life is benefit. Its engagement in life is to control and exploit. These ideas have never changed, will never change unless the fundamental ideas change. If we recognize that, then we realize personalities will come and go. We say the same when it comes to the Muslim world. Personalities will come and go. But fundamentally, the life of the people never changes because the system hasn't changed. So in Pakistan, nothing has really changed. It's only become worse. In Bangladesh, nothing has really changed. It's just become worse. 
Because fundamentally the systems are still the same systems irrespective of the person that is in office. So what we learned from this is that the subject matter of serious concern in America actually isn't about how America will be positioning itself in reference to the world. The discussion within America is a superficial discussion. The major concern from an American administration point of view is simply that it is an embarrassment for them as a nation to have to present to the world that we as a leading nation can only offer you Trump on the one side and Clinton on the other side. That's, they feel an embarrassment. That's all that they feel. That is their sincere, serious concern. Otherwise, it's a domestic issue about immigration, about migration, about whether they should build a wall on the border of Mexico, about whether they should kick out all the Muslims. It's a basic interior, internal discussion. They don't have a discussion regarding the world. They leave that to the real government. Yeah. There's a very uh, important figure in political science. He's called Michael Gleason. He wrote a book recently. And the book is called um, National Security and the Double Government. And in this book, and he's not a conspiracy theorist. He was actually on a number of congressional committees within the U.S. Senate. So in a way he knows what he's talking about. He actually has worked within the inner workings of the American administration. He said your vote doesn't count. It's bizarre. He's saying this to the American people. But we have the Muslims saying our vote counts. Yeah? But he's addressing the American people. He's saying your vote doesn't count. Don't believe it does. Don't believe it ever will. He goes there's a double government. You are voting for elected officials. But the government is run by unelected officials. And these unelected officials are corporate entities, are military entities, who have huge interests either domestically or internationally. And they give a very nice example. He said people who voted for Obama, believing that he would make change. When he came into office, and one of his commitments was what? To withdraw troops completely from Afghanistan, he was given two options by the American military. Either you want 30,000 troops or you want more troops. So he chose the lesser of two evils. He went with 30,000 troops. He wasn't given the choice of no troops. Because I don't ever believe your vote counts. It doesn't count. There's always a, a separate government, the unelected government that actually is running the office. This is the reality of how it works. This is why it has never surprised us <coughs> that you can have an actor, a womanizer, a clown, a black man. And a black man, at the end of his, of his tendency, what do you have? <laughs> a movement called Black Lives Matter. You believe after eight years, you think that would be solved? But no, Black Lives Matter emerges. That means clearly everybody recognizes that what makes change is not a person. It's just a figurehead. What makes change are the ideas that are held by a society, by a nation. And in America, those ideas remain the same. They haven't changed. Fundamentally, they haven't changed. So why should we expect America as a, as a country or as a nation 
which has interests around the world to change, means it won't change. Very, very fundamental. Which actually only leads me to the point about how should we view the elections. So there's two ways to look at it. One is from the Muslim perspective and Muslim context within America. And I'll briefly touch about you know my one week there, last, effectively last week there, and how the view is seen and my engagement with, them, um, with the Muslim community there. And secondly, how the wider world should see it. In a nutshell, the wider world should see it in a very simple way. That America is simply <laughs> embarrassed as a nation in terms of its options of presidency. But in terms of its engagement from a political point of view, from an economic point of view, from a cultural point of view, that hasn't changed and that will never change. Because it's the nature of the beast. It will never change. So the biggest view that people have, we need to move away from the facade of Clinton and Trump. That is not the real issue and that has never been the real issue. It's purely an internal discussion and one of internal embarrassment for the Americans. How can we, the leading nation, have a complete idiot on the, on the one hand as a president who represents us and have a woman <coughs> who's tainted, tainted with all the issues of the, the email scandal, as you know, and her 19 years of, of office where she's committed more crimes against humanity in terms of all the major wars she has backed and supported. How can we have one of the two? It's just an internal discussion from them. But from an external worldview, nothing has changed. From a domestic point of view, in terms of the Muslims, very interesting. More than ever before, this time round, the Muslims were pushed very hard in terms of voting during the era of Bush, during the era of Clinton, and during the era of Obama. They voted for Bush, and they regretted that. They voted for Clinton, and they ended up regretting that. They voted for Obama, who committed more drone attacks in his, tenis, in his tenure than anyone previously to him. Committed to Yemen, committed to Libya. What he's done is unbelievable, much worse than any of the predecessors. They are reeling Muslims, and now they're sitting thinking, what do we, who do we vote for now? That's the question, who do we vote for now? So their choice and their thinking is based upon, literally... Both, and I, I'll use the term that they use. Both of them suck. As a, this is the expression that they use. Both of them suck. Which one should we choose from? So the subject of discussion is built upon two premises. One is called benefit and one is called fear. Wherever you see Islamic evidence is being used, is used in order to justify the benefit or to justify the fear. It's not used as a premise within itself. This is the unfortunate thing. Which leads me to my last point. Because this election will come every four or five years. There may be a snap election soon, the way things are going, even in this country. Yeah? If May doesn't get her way and the push is upon her, she'll call for a snap election. Then we're in a similar situation today. Who do we vote for? And what was interesting, I was in D- Detroit asked to, give a, asked to give a lecture about the elections. And there was a huge campaign for a boycott of this talk uh, by, by the leaders of the local Muslim community. So the local imams um, made an effort to ensure that the Muslim community, which is predominantly a Yemeni community, boycotted this talk. And in this talk, literally only about 15 people turned up. So 
the people asked, let's not have a talk, let's just have a, an informal discussion. During the informal discussion, um, one Arab gentleman, he walked in, sat down, this was during the Q&A session. I had no idea who he was. Um, and during the Q&A, he stood up and says, <laughs> he said in Arabic, he, he said in Arabic, I want to ask this brother some questions. He, want, he wanted to ask me some questions. I said, brother, that's okay, I don't speak Arabic. Um, so there's a brother who decided to translate for us between the two. So he wanted to criticize the whole notion that voting is haram. So we put the premise down. Sovereignty is to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the ayat are very, very clear. No one disagrees that we should not be voting for kufr. This is answered by all Muslims. So it's not an Islamic argument. The argument is purely premised upon benefit or fear. So the subject of the discussion is how do we should look at benefit, how should we look at fear? He missed all of that talk. He only came for the Q&A and he stood up. He goes, I, I have six, six points, six questions I want to raise to the speaker. So I thought what I'd do at the end is give these questions to you and see how you would answer them to make it interesting and entertaining. Question number one, he said, pointing at me, what are your credentials to speak about this subject? Who are you and who gave you the authority to speak on this subject? I have studied in Al-Azhar, I've studied Usul Al-Fiqh, I've studied uh, Fiqh itself, I know the Arabic language, and who are you? Who gives you the right? That's the first question. Okay. Second question. And what are the evidences that you're even bringing to prove that voting is haram? No problem. Argument number three. You come to this country thinking I was a resident of the United States. You come to this country, you take the benefits, <laughs> you enjoy the lifestyle, you participate in their economy, you even pay insurance. You use the word insurance specifically, you pay all of this. And then you say you don't want to vote, well if you don't like it, leave. No problem. Okay. Number four. Hilful Fadul. You must have heard this Hilful Fadul. This was uh, uh, an agreement that was pre prophethood uh, amongst the Arabs, which was if somebody got into difficulty, which was a specific incident, the community would come together and to collect money principally to support an individual that was being impacted negatively. And the Prophet says, he said, and the Prophet in the Hadith said, if I was there, I would do this again. So he was referring to non-Islam as a justification, and that's why voting is okay. Okay, no problem. The next one was Yusuf alayhi salam. He participated in government. Okay, no and the last one he bought was regarding Najashi, a, a negus, that he became Muslim and he was ruling by non-Islam, and the Prophet uh, he accepted this. These were like the six arguments he brought. And he spoke for a good 20-25 minutes going through each one and going into a lot of detail. And then the moment I was responding by one by one, he would then add additional points and arguments along the way. So what I thought I'd do is devil's advocate. I'm going to become him. So we'll take these questions one by one. And I will argue the way he argued. Okay, we'll see and we'll see where it takes. Are you okay with that? Yeah. So that, really that's the talk. That was really my talk about the US election. So really, if I want to summarize the US elections... Fundamentally, nothing changes. Fundamentally. I think if there ever was going to be a discussion about the impact of the US elections, it's simply whether America 
as a nation in terms of ideas or as a system is weakening because of either one of these two candidates. That would be the only meaningful discussion that could come. Yeah. And, and my view to that very simply is if we talk about the weakening of US as a nation, this isn't due to appointment of either one of the two and it's neither to do with the elections which have occurred. If we have a discussion about this, we need to look maybe 10-15 years back. And the trend that's going along. Is America weakening as a nation? Because of its economic situation. Because of its inability now to wage war on multiple fronts, which it used to do in the past. That will be a discussion to have. But that's nothing to do with the elections. This is why I'm saying the elections are just a facade. What matters is the system, what matters is the idea, what matters is the projection of power that America has or had or wants to achieve or wants to retain. And is there a counterbalance to that? And the way that you understand that is then looking at the, the situation of China, looking at the situation of Russia, particularly, for example, on the issue of Syria, is there an indication of a change in the shift of power? Looking at the situation of Africa, particularly China's influence in Africa, is there a shift? That is a relative discussion of power balance shift it has nothing to do with the elections this is why we've always made the point elections don't indicate the strength of a nation they don't what indicates the strength of the nation is its ideas its system and how strong the system is projected around the world thank you for listening to this podcast podcasts on current events Islamic guidance Quran Tafsir and Sira are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment, and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about IslamPodcast.com.